We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 486, brought to you today by DoorDash and Bet Online ALDS preview. Buckle up, Scott. Five, maybe five nights, minimum three nights of two teams that just don't like each other and aren't going to like each other. In the, uh, according to Kevin Kiermeyer, stoking the flames, poking the bear. You buying into the rivalry? Is it real? Is this a real rivalry? Yeah, I think so. I think it is. I mean, I think that I think it's exactly what's in front of us. And when you look at the the two teams, was it Kiermaier or was it Kevin Cash who was oh it was Kiermaier on a Zoom call? Um Kiermaier like, was on a Zoom call on Friday and he was asked. It's not like he came out and said it. He was asked about right. the two teams not liking each other. No, yeah, yeah. I, like, I, I, I he didn't say it. people are like making a big deal about his comments. Like that's fine. He's, I know I like it. The fact that it had to come from a player, though, I think is a little different than Cash. So I, I like that Kiermaier was the guy that that said something about this. I, look, I, I think it is a rivalry because when you when you look, the fan bases don't have to be rival. But that helps, don't you think? It does help. But they're they're just. I mean, I don't think anybody knows Rays fans. To be honest. <laughs> That's my. So, I tweeted that the other day. I was like, I've never met in person a real live Rays fan. Like right. we, you talked to Kevin, who will be on the second half of this show. He's obviously yes. a race fan. He does a race podcast. Yeah. I've never met him in person. I've never <laughs> met him in person either. I've we done three podcasts with him this year. So 
I mean, there's a there's a realness for me on on his end because I've talked to him three times. But that being and I and I like him. He's a nice guy. We we have a good little um, back and forth. But um, but yeah, there's just there's no you know with with the Red Sox fans back you know with the when the rivalry was good, it was it was all about you know for in the beginning it was all about the fact that they hadn't won and then 2004 happened and they won and their fans became insufferable so it became more of a it, 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 the rivalry actually diminished after 2004 oh definitely and, and, and slowly started getting less and less and less and less because they won uh you know uh, again and then it just it, it kind of fizzled out so th- it's there because of the history and but the thing is, is that the players on the field to me now are the ones that drive home the rivalry. And that's the, the players on the field with the Red Sox didn't like each other. Like that was also, that was like the perfect storm. But the Rays and the Yankees don't like each other. The Yankees and the Houston Astros don't like each other. Like I, I feel there are legitimate rivalries with both of those teams. And it gets me going a little bit more because they don't like each other. Therefore, and de facto, I don't like them. <laughs> and de facto, it's so facto. No, I get all that. And certainly the two sides don't like each other. That's been well established for the past three seasons. And uh, maybe it hit a a peak this year with the Brousseau stuff and the Kevin Cash comments and, and all that kind of troll. You know, the, the Rays trolled with the shirts and the hats. They were trolling the Yankees after they won the division. And you know what? You win the division and you get to troll. You don't get to troll if you don't win the division. Sure. So So the Yankees can either take that, get offended by it, use it as fuel to beat them or you kind of got to just take the trolling because if the team that's winning is doing the trolling and continues to win what can you say so a little spoiler alert here I, I i talked to kevin about these 98 or hat that you and i have, have had this debate about about you know why they're no, actually there wasn't a debate oh it was a debate it was a debate you said one thing i said a different thing and uh it wasn't a debate it, it was a debate and I'll, was it like I'll the, say was it like the trump biden debate <laughs> Just chaos, just complete, just, just complete chaos. Like nothing happens at the end. You're like, I, we are all now dumber. Yeah, um, that's no. exactly the move that was. <laughs> no, perfect. this is um, this is more to the point of of the uh, the 1998 and then and then the 90s. Mm-hmm. Th- this said the, the hats were 1,000 percent geared at the New York Yankees. They were 1,000 yeah. percent made the day after Kevin Cash's comments. And they uh, and that's where the uh, the horse stable shirts also were just a complimentary piece of it. So well, I, the and I horse got stable shirts were obvious because that was literally so like were the ninety eight. Someone no, I know that, but the horse stable shirts was literally looked like a clubhouse attendant went and like printed a couple of t shirts with like a shitty image from Google Images. Like the ninety eighters hats were actual hats, like actual like nice-looking hats. That's why I thought they were for the 1998 first season. I thought those hats would probably have been around for decade, for two decades or whatever. I was no. obviously wrong about that. Kevin even told me, I was like, have they, were they around before the comments? No. He's like, I'm not a hat guy, and I ordered the hat after the hat, after the comments. They were not in an, in, a, in existence before them. And I said, yeah. look, if I, if I were a Rays fan in charge of said hats, I would have I would have done like the the green to blue gradient on them and you know gone old school devil rays with them, thrown a little uh, no, little double meaning. To get out of the devil rays moniker. They never won anything. They never won anything as a raise either. But with the devil attached, they never even went to the playoffs. Right? The devil the devil took over. Yeah, no, they did not. They were bad. They were a bad team. But it's their history. They have a rich history, and they should celebrate it. Um, Rich history of twenty five years. <laughs> they uh, no, but I, I look. I do think the rivalry is is something because I don't like them, and 
if I don't like them, that means other people don't like them. And they invoke emotion in me as a fan. And because of that, to me, that's a rival. Doesn't matter okay. how, how, uh, you know, how irrelevant the, the Tampa, the Tampa Bay Devil Rays have been for a long time. They're not irrelevant anymore. And they haven't been for the last, you know, really since Joe Madden was there. Their, Where, their relevancy uh, came about when when Madden turned things around over there. Where would you rank it for the Yankees rivalries right now? Current rivalries. Yeah. I don't count the Red Sox because I don't see that as a rivalry <laughs> right now, just so we're clear. That is a rivalry because everybody says it is, but it's not. It's not. It just doesn't feel like one. That said, if the Red Sox were good next year, it would come back. It would feel more like a rivalry, but you have to be good. So currently, as, as teams stand, I would say that... That number one currently now has to be the Tampa Rays. Over I Houston. Think, I think Houston is right there, but we haven't played Houston. So But the they played them that, in the in the playoffs last year. And, and they could potentially play them next round if they both Yes, advance. absolutely. If they play them, then yeah, I I'm, I'm I have so them it's right there. Flopping right away. If I no, no 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 no, I'm just saying this year we didn't play them. So I'm saying as we stand, yeah. it's right there. I think the hatred is definitely higher for the Houston Astros. There's oh, yeah. there's no doubt about that. The um the Rays have become almost a, a worthy adversary, and and you're like, okay, little brother's growing up and trying to like score on me. That's what's happening right now. Little brother's like, okay, I got a jump shot. I have a little bit of a fadeaway. I've figured out now that you block this shot every single time, so I'm gonna do this, and it's pissing you off because he can do it. So it's a matter now. It's like you know, it's a game where the Yankees now have to make the move and and just like smack him back down and make him realize that he's little brother. He's the Tampa Bay Devil Rays. Don't ever forget it. But Boone's comments going, he said, we're clearly the underdog now. They're the big, bad number one seed of the AL East. Doesn't that sound sarcastic? I'm, I'm sure he didn't mean it sarcastically because I don't think Boone speaks to the media sarcastically at, at this point. Oh, there's but, a sarcastic undertone. You, when you say the big, bad number one, yeah, that's, that's sarcasm. That's sarcasm. That's got to be sarcasm, right? It's It's... It's sarcasm, but you're not speaking of it. You're not using a sarcastic tone. So you're saying it like you're serious, but... How do you say big, bad, number one seed without having a hint of sarcasm? Because you I could just say just, they're the they're the number one seed. They're the big number one seed. They're the whatever. Big, bad, number one seed. Ooh, scary rays. Big, yeah, bad, number one seed. They are, man. The 98ers, the, the, the big, bad, number one. I Look, I, I think that... He's the Yankees can't be an underdog. They just they just can't be. Uh, it's very even they're, even they're, for this one, it's yeah. really hard for them to, to to position it as such because you know when the, when you look at the, the talent on the team and the, the the names, they still are not an underdog. But the, they were an underdog in 2017 going up into that yes. playoffs. But since really, and the turning point was trading for Stan. Sure. Well, I mean, the turning point was also the fact that they were they had now established themselves as a team that's been I, there. I know, but we talked about how you trade for Giancarlo Stanton. That's one of the biggest names in the sport, one of the biggest contracts in the sport coming off an MVP season. That changes how it changes expectations, certainly, but also changes how te- other teams, other fan bases, other people look at you and treat you. No doubt. There's no doubt about it. And I, but I think that's kind of worn off a little bit almost because he's not on the field half the time. So. It's, it but that, that being said, like even without Stanton, like they also signed Garrett Cole by the right. way last year, so it's like uh, I can't really co- come in saying we're the underdog. They're they're relatively fully healthy, you know. I mean, they have a full team out there besides Tommy Canley and James Paxton. Right. I mean, they're fully healthy. They're fully like, healthy. Yeah. You, you, as healthy as you possibly can be, really, uh, in, in a season like this. So 
I mean, yeah, Tampa's I mean, had a ton of injuries too. Ton it's of not, injuries. It's not like yeah. the Yankees are are suffering only from injuries this year, and Tampa's had a perfectly healthy season. Kevin Kevin threw an interesting stat at me. I'm gonna I'll, I'll do a couple of spoilers because I know this is coming on after we talk. But um, he said 12 or 13 different guys have a save this year. So yeah. Kevin Cash is, is throwing these guys in different situations. He's throwing them at different positions. The position players are not really like sticking to one place. It's uh, it's kind of a crazy team of a lot of like you know whatever whatever that day is whatever the however the wind's blowing you know whatever he's feeling it all works though it's crazy how how they they he makes those puzzle pieces work did you see the stat that they use sixty different starting lineups in sixty games well that's that's to this point I think that's it like that's that's the that's but not the even like, once repeating how is that yeah, possible no that's crazy that's crazy <laughs> they have so many different pieces that they've been in and out and the injuries were you know pretty significant in their bullpen. But they just keep rolling out these guys that throw hard yeah. and have you know a quirky delivery or uh, are effective. So you know it, it speaks to their depth for sure. It speaks to their their scouting. You know the the fact that Kiermaier's uh, Kiermaier and I keep flipping them back and forth. Uh, that Cash is pulling the the right moves at the right time. So yeah, well that's- let's see if he can let's see if he can do it in a short series. Like he he can do it over a longer period of time during a, during a season. Let's see if he can make the right moves in a short series because it's different. Yeah, the the pressure is different. the The magnitude, the leverage, all that kind of circumstances. Stuff. Yeah, five five games. We said that's kind of, I think, the ideal length of series for the Yankees to go up against Tampa, because I think if you have to go seven and seven days, then you're really going to see the pitching depth of Tampa start to win out. I think when you have seven consecutive days, whereas in five days you just need to win three, and you got Car- you got Garrett Cole going two of those days. Right. So I'm trying to figure out the math. What's the path to Yankees victory? Figure out one of the games that that Garrett Cole's not starting. Right. Yeah, that's that's it. So, you, you yeah, exactly. Well, like, and, and, and it's hard. It's I understand hard to, he could lose, but <laughs> let's you, hope you can't he expect him to lose. If you're doing the if you're plugging this thing out, and you're mapping it. You don't lose the Garrett Cole starts. Right. Also, you, you better have something ready to go in the last Garrett Cole start. If it gets to that point on short rest, just in case, mm-hmm. and, and you're you know you're able to sustain you know him not going the seven innings or six six plus innings, but but yeah, I mean that's that's kind of where I put it. I mean I I had this series going the distance, and if they win, like I I see Garrett Cole being MVP of the series, and if it's not Garrett Cole, it's it's a surprise. And if offensive player like I played Glaber as a guy, I could see Glaber stepping up and being huge in this game. I think there's going to have to be um, someone not named Judge and LeMahieu stepping up big. I could see well, we have, having I a mean, big Gio, Gio had an unbelievable day. Yeah. The second game against Cleveland. Um, and obviously Gardner <laughs> had, a, had a couple hits in the first game. Uh, Stanton, I mean, Stanton was there both nights. I know he hit his his late inning home run in game one, but game two, he was right there with a home run and a sack fly, right? Yeah. And Tanaka, Tanaka has, you know, had success against this raised team. Not, not other, he's had success with other raised teams, but he's had success against this team as well. I think the fact that they do strike out more they than the Yankees. They struck out more than the Yankees, which is a surprising stat. They were the only team in the first round to advance that had a higher strikeout percentage in the regular season than the team that they beat. So there's opportunities there, and they don't hit home runs like the Yankees do, but they uh, they have the ability to to put together hits. I mean, they're, if if the Yankees can hold their offense at bay, 
I know that's a that's a tall ask. It's not a great offense. Ninth in baseball. It, if they can do that, you know that there's an opportunity there because I think the Yankees are going to figure out the pitching staff a little bit. I I, I really do. For, for after this after the series with Cleveland, I feel like they're walking in with some confidence. I feel like they know they're all healthy and they know that they're just playing like a with a different level of um of I mean confidence to to repeat my word again. But that's that's huge. I think going up against these these big guys and the fact now that Glass now is not going up against Cole. It's Snell versus Cole. Um is is interesting because now Snell can pitch twice, right, with Glass now once. And that could be a mistake. Especially Snell being lefty against the amount of right-handed bats against the Yankees. I think that could actually play to the Yankees' favor rather than having Glass now go up two times. Because when Glass now is on, he's absolutely filthy. Yeah, but he also, I think, has a lower floor than Snell. That's probably. probably why why they're they're going with Snell. Yeah, they go it's it's they're going Snell, Glass now, Morton. Again, the Yankees have the pitching edge when Garrett Cole is on the mound, but then every other game, the Rays have the pitching edge. Yep. And we haven't yeah. seen we haven't seen Hap, who's gonna probably get the ball in game three. He's gonna be going against up against Charlie Morton. Yeah. <laughs> a guy that's almost his age. They're pretty close in age. Morton's, I think, thirty six. Maybe he's thirty seven by now. Um, but there is the you said the offense. One thing I wanted to touch on. So you said that you have confidence that the Yankees offense after how they hit the ball in Cleveland four days off, though, that can kill a momentum of an offense. If you just get cold, you just get stale, like batting practice is not the same thing. Yeah, it, I mean, it's going to be the same for both teams. I mean, both teams took care of business at the same time. So I, I don't think it's going to I don't know, man, it was the approach. The approach at those games was was um, was just refreshing to me. It, it was refreshing because. It, they were not living and dying by the home run ball. And that's the type of baseball that I love seeing. I want the ball to go out of the yard. There's no doubt. But if you can string hits together and if you can capitalize on, um, you know, men in scoring position with uh, with two outs, you're going to win some ball games. And even if your pitching's not great, you can still win some ball games because you're scoring in multiple ways. I'm well, so Garrett Cole also had a couple rough starts against Tampa this year. Right. Uh, he had, I think he pitched three games against Tampa. Two of them, one of them, he lost against Glasnow, where he gave up a couple runs early. Cole did, and Glasnow just shut everybody out. Then the other games, Cole pitched. Uh, one of them, I believe, he didn't make it into the through the fifth inning because of pitch count. Remember that? Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. He he definitely got his pitch count way up, and uh, and was better than the first time it, with against Glasnow. But yes. So, uh, and if you're if you're thinking about, I mean, I think Cole's got as long of a leash as you possibly can. But like you said, if the, the the next, if he has to pitch a game five, that's going to be on short rest. So if he's only got five innings in him for game five, well, then you got to figure out the other four innings. And that's where I think the Yankees are really in a tough spot with this pitching staff. Who's going to be the guy to step up? Who's going to be the bullpen arms, multiple, two bullpen arms to step up other than the three names that we already know? I think that's what they need, two bullpen arms to really step up and have great series if they're going to win this series. Yeah, and if, if Hap's the guy that's going game uh, game three, which ha- hasn't been announced, still TBD. Has not been announced, right. But but most likely most likely he will be that guy. I, I, feel, like, I feel like he's going to be that guy. And if he's not, if he is that guy, then I see Davey Garcia as a potential, you know, uh, an X factor type out of the bullpen. He could be, he could be a guy of game four starter. Could be a game four starter. It's yeah. I I think Jordan, it depends where the series is, but I, I would think that um, Jordan Montgomery would be in that mix too. I don't see Jordan Montgomery as a, as a difference maker out of the bullpen. I see Davey Garcia as a difference maker out of the bullpen. 
Yeah, I don't know. Like, it, I think it totally depends. If if you're facing elimination in a game four situation, who who do you who do you trust? Who do you put out there? Yeah, and I I mean we've seen Davy Garcia uh, make starts. His last couple starts though, not great. Um, I think Jordan Montgomery has flashed a little bit. Uh, you know, after his rough start, he 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 did come and pitch well um, in a, in a couple of his last outings. Is you know he was able to to, to mix up these pitches, throw strikes, um, and, and kind of find. It seemed like he found more of a groove. Again, it was a I've talked about this really short, weird season for him. So I don't really chalk too much up. But I could see them going with him as the more veteran starter. Not like he's a big veteran by any means. But Davy Garcia, I think the, the 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 difference between the two of them, I could see Davy Garcia coming in and just dominating in the out of the bullpen. Whereas I don't I don't see Jordan Montgomery as that type of guy. Another thing I'm concerned about is the Yankees can tend to play some sloppy defense at times, and the Rays are are a team that just locks it down defensively. And in close games, back and forth games, if you're, you know, the infield defense, we saw Glaber make a couple errors. We've seen Voight just because he's, first of all, he's got foot stuff and also he's not a good first baseman. So Gary Sanchez also, obviously. Um, but it it's just a it's just another factor that in close late games could bite the Yankees in the ass. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we'll see, man. I, one of the, um, one of the things that, and that's, I, you know, I was uh, reading back after our last podcast too. Uh, we were talking about Boone and why he made that decision against Voight. So he came back out and was talking about it and and said that they were regrettable decisions because the reason he took Voight out and it did take him longer just to be confident in the move, to be honest. Like, and that's, that's a sec, that right there is a problem. Like you need to, you need to pull yeah. the trigger quicker. You need to have a, a better decision making process so that that can be done without one out and not in the middle of a freaking count. But they decided to to um, take him out, and it wasn't it wasn't necessarily just for running. It was for the defensive uh, defensive alignment purposes after after that inning. And I understand that part of it. You want Voight out on first base, yes. You you would much rather have Lemayhew at first base, Tyler Wade at second base. That's a better defense. It's a better defense to to you know finish up the innings. That, but that's that's assuming that you're not going to have to use that bat again. And when they pinch hit for. Um, for Wade and put Frazier in, you just now said, okay, defense doesn't matter anymore because you're putting you're getting rid of this. Base. Yeah. Well, it was in a situation where defense didn't matter as much anymore because you needed runs if you're going to win the game. I know, but you have to, if you're going to go down this path to to take Voight out because of the defense at that point for for that situation. Uh, you, you, now you're just you're you're putting yourself in another situation where you have to um, sacrifice the defense for uh, a guy that it didn't look like score again. You're not winning the game, so who cares if you're preventing defense? You have to score again, right? I, I, I get it, man. It just there's so many things. I'm looking back at that Frazier at bat. It's almost like he wasn't ready for the at bat. It, he looked so unprepared for that at bat. It was like. So do you think Boone yelled down the bench like, "Hey, kid, possibly. get up there!" And he had two seconds to take his war his jumper, you know, jacket off and get out there and swing. I think it didn't seem like he was prepared. It really didn't. It was a really, really out of character at bat. Listen, I said this on the last podcast. Boone scares the shit out of me as a as a person in charge of managing in game decisions and in a five game series, one mistake can screw you. Yeah, and that's and that's for this particular series when you're looking at the pitching as well um glass now and snell like they'll give up a home run ball but similar to cole they're aggressive with you know they're aggressive with um with 
nobody on base. They're aggressive when there's two outs. They, they're aggressive in situations where they can't get hurt as much. So there are opportunities for, for these guys to, um, you know, be, be struck with the long ball. And it's, it's a matter of if the Yankees can, can really take advantage of it when there's runners on, because I think those solo home runs are not going to, are not going to be enough in this, in this series. How does the bubble change things? They're playing in San Diego. Um, they're both staying at the same hotel. Did you see that? I did see that. Yeah. <laughs> how, how does the bubble, how do you think the bubble is going to affect things? I mean, the, the parks, the, it's, I don't think the bubble is going to change anything. I think that if you look at That's the right, park. No, I mean the whole, the whole thing. So the Be, park is being on a, the West coast. So these games are starting 5 PM local time. Yeah. So there's going to be shadows in play in the first couple innings. Um, they're staying in a hotel with the Rays in the same hotel, not with their family. Like, all this stuff, a difference of. I don't think that matters. I don't think. I mean, I don't think that matters. I don't know how much you're how much you're interacting with your family and during the playoffs and the anyway. But I think that you, the biggest thing is the ballpark. The ballpark itself, to me. So the ballpark, it's a bigger ballpark, right? Yeah. It, um, there's right center and left center are almost 400. They're they're deep. Dead center is almost 400. Um, I think right field was uh, when I looked at. I think it's 322. So it's you know further than Yankee Stadium, obviously. But the middle of the the middle of the park is is pretty big. It doesn't allow for a lot of home runs. You gotta you gotta get a hold of it. Um, the fact that these guys have been going right, you know, uh, right center, right field with the way that they're hitting, maybe that's extra base hits. Maybe that's maybe that's uh, you know going to give this this uh, this park's going to give up um, some more extra base hits, which I think could be a really good thing. But they're going to have to. I think it's going to affect the the Rays more than it is the Yankees. I think a lot of the Yankees' home runs are probably going to leave the park no matter what. I think a lot of the Rays could probably find some, uh, you know, some uh, some some green, and 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 stretch them to extra base hits. I think I saw that San Diego's park yielded the seventh most home runs in baseball this year. I think part of that is also they had a really good team this year, Tatis, Machado. So like that team was hitting home runs, and that might just be a situation, you know. Tatis is going to hit a homer at San Diego, a Yankee Stadium at Fenway. It doesn't matter where he's just going to hit a homer. So right, and I think that's the case with the Yankees for for the most part. I mean, I don't think it necessarily really affects them as much. I think it does affect them, uh, the Rays probably, where you know a ball that may be out is is potentially an extra base hit. So that it goes down to the defense and how the defense plays. If Aaron Hicks is playing center field and is able to track down balls, who you're playing in in left field because now left field. Left field is big. Left center field is is not is not a is not a small area. There's a there's a lot of room to cover out there. So are you going to play Frazier on? Uh, I, I think Gardner's going to play, but it's not because of Frazier's bad defense. We saw. Him well, play you good look at range though, year. but range wise, I mean, Gardner's got more range than Frazier. Not I'd according say. to metrics this year. Really, my eye test is telling me different. I mean, it just got Your a guy eye that's test a little bit tells more you that Brett Gardner is one of the best defensive left fielders in baseball because he has been for. 12 years and I get that and he is a good outfielder but I think if he plays it's not because of defense it's because that's no I think it's part of it I think it's part of it I think it's I think it plays if you look at left field and you're choosing one person right now that you absolutely trust I think a lot of people would have a very difficult time just talking defensively to say Clint Frazier I mean yeah, because you still have the scaries from last scar. year yeah we have, we have scars that I'm are, not denying that yeah but but I think that that Boone went with Gardner and is going to stick with Gardner because he was hot at the end of the season, and then he, he played well in Cleveland. And like you talked about, for whatever it's worth, Boone values the veteran presence in the lineup. I don't think it's important 
to have one out of nine be a veteran. I think if you take Gardner's veteran presence out of the starting lineup, well, guess when, what? When you He's say, still in the dugout. But when you say veteran veteran presence, it's not just for the 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 guy to be there. It's not like when Judge came back and he was a, a, a difference maker well, in the what bench. What is he last doing year. then? What is Brett Gardner? No, doing? it's I think it's more about the experience, being in the situation of of having that that postseason experience and living in that moment and understanding that the moment can't be bigger than that at bat. Like you have to be in this in this moment Fine. at bat. And, and if that's the case, then then sure. I mean, like that's 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 not what nerds think. Nerds don't think that because they don't believe in pressure and they don't believe in you know um, uh, clutch and they don't believe in these things that are non tangible things. But yeah. I think they're real. I think they're absolutely real. I think they're and, real too. And I looking think- at Frazier's at bat, he was if he wasn't ill prepared by getting a late call. It was a terrible at bat. It was not in the moment. He did absolutely nothing with it. And it's one at bat. I'm not going to kill the kid for it's one, one at bat. It's one at bat coming off the bench cold. Do you think it's more of a factor of pressure or the fact that like he hadn't swung a bat in two days? Like I think that plays more of a factor than pressure. I guess so. It's just, but it also, a veteran guy is is probably going to be a hell of a lot more ready. I have no, matter no problem. What. I have no problem with Brett Gardner starting because he's playing well. And if Brett Gardner's playing well, then fine. Have him start. Uh, I don't even he was playing how... well going into the wild card round. No, I know that's, that's, that's why he thing. started. That's the it was reason. ten. He had a ten game. He's been on a ten game hot streak, and now it's twelve games. And Brett Gardner gets hot, and he gets hot, and he stays hot, and then he goes cold again. So, so you're so good ride, with it now. So ride, you're, you're so now you're good with it. If Brett Gardner's playing well, I'm I'm fine with it. I just I still I mean, think he was Frazier but, earned the the right to play is what is sure. really what I was saying. I understand that. But he was he was hot going into that wild card series, and at that point you didn't you were you didn't want it because of it's the things game. that were said. It is because ten of, games, it's not like I mean, listen. But baseball, uh, we know more, it was going more about into Clint playoffs, Frazier. It was more about was Clint Frazier than Brett Gardner. You mean more about Clint Frazier being cold, being just not no, not hitting my, well for a while. My wanting Brett. Wanting Frazier to get this the start was oh, more about Frazier, and I thought over the course of the season he had earned it. Sure, it, but but it doesn't matter. I I think that you know for a longer term discussion, which we don't care about right now, I think Cliff Frazier still earned it. This season. you want to know what we haven't talked about, which I'm I can't believe we forgot I, I forgot to bring this up, but something that's like bothered me a little bit. Okay, so Cliff Frazier makes this big deal about wearing a mask the entire time, right? <laughs> he's wearing a mask, the mask guy, like all these things. And it's based on uh, the reason he's doing it is because he feels responsible for the safety of his, of his the, the catcher and the umpire and all these things that he was talking about. So as soon as he gets cold, he takes the mask off and, bl- and is, 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 is trying to like change it up. Yeah. So doesn't this, doesn't this go back to the fact that he was just doing it to get, some, get a little bit of attention in the first place? Yeah, yeah, but the, <laughs> people didn't like that take, Scott. When we had that take, I'm just saying, like it, it kind of goes, kind of goes back to you know, like, okay, now it's okay to take it off. Well, he still yeah. wears it in the dugout and wears it in the field. Although when you're standing in left field, no, you he, really need a mask. Yeah, yeah, he's he's definitely not worn it a few times. I I mean, look, he had a much better season wearing it. Let's yeah. let's let's just uh, let's let's put it back on at this point. Now that it's just, now well, that we all now that we all cold. understand, yeah, he, he literally got cold. When Brett Gardner took his mock turtleneck, well, we all understand what it is now. Okay, it was it, now. Now there are um, there are circumstances at, at play where we know that he performs better with the mask on. Put the put the goddamn mask on. <laughs> put the goddamn mask on. Let's see it. Bring out the mask like he's the Cape Crusader. You know, you you have a guy who walks in, runs into a um a you know a, a telephone booth without any powers, runs out of that with a cape on and powers. Put the mask on. 
Help. So two eight o'clock starts in games one and two, and then seven o'clock starts three four five. Um, how many of these games go into the wee hours of the morning? I think well, one of those first two does. So yeah, Kevin and I were talking about this because the uh, just he brought it up because of the amount of pitching changes. He said oh, that yeah. we're going to get. He said they were going to get very annoyed by their pitching coach because he goes out a lot, and then they. Oh, well, he can only go out on six times max. It's still a lot, but he goes out like four. <laughs> you know, it's it's above three usually. Uh, so so yeah, there's they're they're going to be long games. They're going to be games that. But I you know look, I I hope the fact that the reason they're long is because they're intense, and if they're intense then I don't mind. If they're intense and this game is, you know, it's going down to these crucial moments and these at-bat, you know, pitcher versus uh, batter with crucial at-bats late in the game, I'm good with it because that's just exciting and that's what the playoffs are made for. So I hope that the Yankees are in a situation at the end of the game where they're either winning or in a position to, you know, take the lead. And that would mean that their bullpen has not shit out the game and or Garrett Cole is going very, very deep. So... <laughs> uh the playoff baseball takes four hours. Like we just learned playoff baseball takes four hours. So I just, I'm, I'm, I have accepted that's not going to change this year, no matter what. So give me earlier start times. That's all I'm asking. And if you're like an Oakland A's fan, you got to figure out how to watch these games, these playoff games at one o'clock in the afternoon. I understand we're all home, but you're still at work. You're still working. People are still working. So it's just, it's kind of unfair what baseball did. I understand they want Yankees in prime time, yeah, but they're going to be East in prime bias. time. But they could be in prime time if they start at six or six thirty. They're still prime time hours. Like I think baseball thinks people sit down and watch all the playoff games, like it's the NFL weekend, like wild card weekend in the NFL. Got to sit down for four straight. No, no one's watching three straight baseball games. No one has time for that. No, they're playing to the markets, and I think the California market is okay with watching at one o'clock that's what that's that's what it's uh that's what it's leading me to believe but that's fine i was i I, I was not surprised by the start times i I i'm happy about the start times i i have a hard time watching during the day for me personally i I didn't want during the day 6 p.m that's what i want but those don't exist those don't even exist so there we're going by the tv schedules at this point and tbs is like you know 804 807 there's a five o'clock game right tomorrow or tuesday there's a five o'clock game uh yeah i think there is yeah, that'd be fine, but they want they want the Yankees in primetime. Like bottom line, they want the Yankees in primetime on the East Coast. East Coast bias, I love it. We all there have lives. We East all Coast have bias. stuff to do the next day. There needs to be an East Coast bias forever. It will forever be a thing until I move to the West Coast, which probably won't happen. But on that day, we can uh, we can start switching things up. Look, if if um, if He Man Choi is a is a difference maker oh, in this series, he's, I'm gonna, he's a Garrett Cole killer. I'm gonna have problems. I know. I'm going to have problems. Dude, did, I don't remember his exact numbers, but he's something like crazy, like 11 for 15 off Garrett Cole with like four home runs. It's absurd. Garrett Cole needs to shut that shit down. <laughs> if G-Man Choi takes him be... deep in the first inning, there's going to be problems. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, All right, so yeah. before we get to the uh, your your portion with Kevin breaking down the, their bullpen, their guys, everything that's been going on with them, because you know they've also gotten hot towards the end of the year. They were teetering like early September, and then they called up um, what's his name, Arizwania, right? Mm-hmm. Did you guys mm-hmm. talk about him? Oh, we, he he uh, he's calling him out as an MVP. I mean, the dude had a one seventy nine OPS plus in, in the month of September. He was kind of an X factor for them. Yeah, their offense needed something. They needed a guy to, yeah. to come in here and produce at a big at a big time because um, Austin Meadows has been just absent. I mean, we're, we're not even projecting him in lineups at this point or uh, uh, 
you know, in the in the batting lineup at all. So that's that's a shocking that's a shocking thing because of he his was so good in the first, but he was so good to start the season too, wasn't he? Yeah, I so feel like I, he had a bunch of big hits when the Yankees played Tampa in Tampa. He, I'm not gonna lie, a guy like that worries me. Like all of a sudden showing up, like and then playing to his talents. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like doesn't maybe he doesn't maybe he's like one of these. Uh, 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 they lose game one. We're going Austin Meadows gonna play game two, putting him up there, and then he three for like, four. Yeah, that's the type uh, of shit that scares me. All right, so the question everyone's been waiting for: What is your confidence one to ten on the Yankees winning this series? Man, I'm I'm. I'm even killed, man. I'm I'm keeping my hand. I've had a beer, so my hand my hand is staying very steady right now. So we're we're very good. Um, I'm going. I'm staying with seven. 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 Seven worked for me last time, and I and I'm feeling good about it because I like Garrett Cole going pitching twice. I do. I think Garrett Cole is uh, is out to prove something because because he did not have success against the race. So I think that there's something uh, for him to prove personally, and I like when he's personally motivated. And I think the Yankees' offense is is. Um, after what I saw in Cleveland, clicking in a different way, and if they're clicking in a different way, uh, they could kick they could kick the shit out of this team because I don't think their offense could keep up. Okay, we could say that about anything though, because when the no, Yankees, but, I, but when I'm what, seeing the two offenses, my point is is that their offense is so much better on paper, so much better. Hand over the Yankees' fist. offense is so much better than the Rays on paper. The yes. Yankees' offense on paper is better than everyone except the Dodgers. It's on par with the Dodgers. So yeah, if they play to their potential, but. But you could say that about anything. If the Rays pitch to their potential, then they could. But let shut me tell you, but I, but I just, but I just saw it. That's my. That's where I. That's where I am. I just saw it. I just saw it. It okay. just happened. Right. And that, and because it just happened, gives me a lot more confidence that these guys have oh, confidence. Yeah. If and when, scrape- when you have a talented player playing with confidence, and you got they're feeding off of each other, that's when you can do really, really special things with an with an offense as a unit. So, I'm hoping that's the case. I'm hoping they find that mojo and continue it going. Um, so yeah, seven. I, I think that. Cole is going to pitch well. I think that Tanaka is a, a tough matchup for this team, uh, for the Tampa team. So I think that he's going to have some uh, effectiveness there. And then it's all about what happens in game three. But it may not matter because if Cole comes back um, and is able to pitch in, in, a, in a short series as well, then, you know, Cole twice is a, is, a, is a big deal. Do you remember what I said for the Cleveland series? Like I said, five, five out of ten or four out of ten, right? I was lower yeah. than you. It was much lower. It was four or five. I'm zero out of ten for this series. Zero out of ten. I mean, yeah. of course. <laughs> zero. Just, you, you don't give them a chance. My confidence level. It's not the chance. It's my confidence level. This is a personal confidence level. That so we're your doing. confidence, your confidence, your your the, your your brain gives them zero chance. Uh, that that to me is, is confidence like, a, brain or is confidence yeah, like emotions? It's in your. It's happening in your brain. It's confidence your is brain. emotions. I thought, but emotions will will certainly affect what you do and and how you act. Okay. Yeah, I give them a zero zero chance. In confidence. So then, what are what do you think them winning the series? Not confidence, personal. Where do you put the series? What do you mean? Where do I put the series? You said that they're different. You said that confidence, and then like where do you think the Yankees' chances are? Oh, certainly, I give them a chance, and the path to success, like I said, is Garrett Cole pitches and wins his two games, and then the Yankees win one out of three in the other games, which is more than doable. Does that seem that's so far fetched? No, I said it's more than doable. So then, do you have a zero confidence in Garrett Cole? No, I have. Confidence so there's in no Cole. way you're. I have zero, zero. confidence like in the Yankees. I have zero confidence in the Yankees pitching staff lasting five days, and I think it's going to go five days. So how is this pitching staff that has Chapman, Green, and Britton, which let's also acknowledge all three of them being on five straight nights, is probably not going to happen? Who is going to pitch other than those guys? They don't trust 
Adam Adovino to warm him up in a, well, in a they playoff game because they're going to take it. They're going to take advantage of Adam Adovino as soon as anybody's on base. So then you have Luis Sessa, Loisica. You have um, Holder. Those th- I don't have confidence in those three guys. But you have confidence in two of the games. For Garrett Cole, you have confidence in pitching in game one, them winning game Just one. Just because, because I have confidence in Garrett Cole pitching well doesn't mean they're going to easily win that game. What if what if Blake Snell also pitches seven shutout innings and then it's a bullpen game? Do you feel better? Do you feel better about the Yankees offense after watching what they did in Cleveland? Yeah, but I but I I think that you know the Cleveland bullpen looked like it was overmatched, especially in that second game. They came in there and had no chance. I don't expect that to happen with Tampa. I mean, this is a this is a team that has a, a ton of effective bullpen arms, like nasty bullpen arms. But they haven't been here before. So no, does that play and, into and, it? And maybe. Maybe it does. But they've faced the Yankees 10 times this year. Yeah. Not, this is a very strange circumstance. You're not at Yankee Stadium. You're not in, in the um, dog shit Tampa, uh, you know, uh, hockey double A <laughs> freaking nightclub. You're in San Diego, San, San Diego. And you're playing in high stakes. It could be different. It could be different. It might not feel like high stakes because they're like looking around. Well, I think like, we well, both. I think we both recognize that on the field is really where that pressure comes from. I, if you're a good professional, you're tuning out a lot of the of the stands and what's happening in the crowd. Like it, maybe that's that's not an but easy thing to do. But it gets to guys. It gets to guys. Sure. I think so does the pressure knowing that one you're. Everybody's watching you on television. That's one thing. You're not in the you're not in the Tampa Ray market anymore, and not just like a local Yankees market. It's now you're in the playoffs on the grand stage, and you know people are watching, whether they're there or not. You know that that guy that is facing you in the batter's box wants to kill you. He wants to murder the ball, and the stakes are higher because you could potentially win, uh, uh, you know, against the New York Yankees in the playoffs. That's a big deal. Are we Let's see going, how they can handle it. Are we going to see any benches clearing in this series? No. I don't do think you so. think? Do you think that's because both teams are like, well, we just got to handle that in the regular season because we can't jeopardize a playoff game, or do you think it's like I, I can't imagine there'll be warnings? What if? Issued, what right? if the you Yankees never issue a warning? What if the Yankees go out and just goon them? This could be a thing. What just, if the just drill them first? No, inning, no, no, first no. Batter? Other way, other way, other way. Mike Ford, Mike Ford, Mike Ford leans into a leans into one, and just goes out. Why there is Mike take, Ford up? <laughs> Because he's a goon. We're gooning. It's just flat out just using him as a goon. And he goes out there. He he play, He starts for Voight so that Voight can come right back into that spot. It's perfect. <laughs> Up in the first inning, he leans into a pitch and charges the mound and beats the living piss out of Blake Snell. Blake Snell either gets suspended or he gets the shit kicked out of him and can't pitch. Yeah, I like I'll, it. gla- good, I'll gladly a, make a trade-off for Mike Ford for Blake Snell. <laughs> it's a good tactic. Not the worst that I've heard. Yeah. Plus, plus the rivalry just escalates big time from there everybody loves that i mean we've seen benches clearing happen in playoffs before yankees red sox with pedro and don zimmer so it's not completely foreign for it to happen in the playoffs there's and there's tension here there's Uh, any of of these balls any of these balls that are that are you know high and high and tight there's going to be emotions and there's going to be and they're going to be on the forefront you know i'm sure the umpires are going to try to control it from the very beginning they're gonna they're gonna try to get out in front of anything, but at the same time, like none of these teams can have, the Yankees definitely can't afford losing guys unless it's a goon like Ford that you send out there for a reason. 
So the thing is, though, with a playoff game, usually for players, they they understand like, oh, he probably wasn't trying to hit me there. I'm not saying it, they, they won't try and hit someone. But if it's just a, a pitch that gets away from someone like, well, it's a playoff game. He's probably not throwing at me in that. Uh, but situation. I think that goes away. I mean, like that's logical, but I don't think that's 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 where the playoff atmosphere and the fact that you're trying to win this game at all costs takes away any logic. And you're looking at that guy like he's trying to kill you, and you think that that ball is coming at your head on purpose. Every well, time. like in 2003, Pedro literally pointed at his head like he was going to drill Kareem Garcia in the head. Yeah. And then Roger Clemens threw a ball nowhere near Manny Ramirez's head. It was just high. It was just a high pitch, and Manny like took exception to it. So of yeah, course. you're right. You Maybe you just like... A ball gets, you know, slightly on the inner half of the plate. And it's, Yo, You've already made that? up your mind. You're walking up there like if that ball comes near me. And that's why if it's not close, you're still charging because yeah. in your brain, you realize, it was oh, like, crap, that was a slider, eyes. wasn't it? Damn it. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't matter. So, yeah, I think that's when the emotions take over and the actual game circumstances take over. And the fact that you hate that guy across from you and you know that he's cocky and has no name, it's going to piss you off. It's going to piss well, them off. Yeah. Yeah, but you're never you would never risk like a a good pitcher getting ejected because he's. That's why you put it in Mike Ford's hands and you charge the pitcher and take that out of the circumstance, beat the living crap out of him. All right, so Scott's (laughs) plan to 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 victory. I'm just saying, I'm not saying that's my plan. Garrett Cole pitches well, and Mike Ford goons Blake Snell. Just saying, it's it's one of those things. My plan to victory is somehow figure out a way to win one of the non-Garrett Cole games. Maybe maybe they lock Aaron Boone in the closet in the dugout and just don't let him make any decisions and and just let the guys go out there and play. This is where you put the little girl gif that says, why not both? Why not both? Why not both? Mike, Mike, Mike Ford can take one for the team. Like the the first game against Cleveland was was ideal scenario. Garrett Cole goes out there and is shutting them down for seven innings. The Yankees put up 10 runs on the board. So like no decisions needed to be made in game one. Game two had a lot of decisions that were required and we saw Boone make some errors. It didn't cost them, but he made some errors. So what happens if it's five straight games of having to make decisions? I worry that eventually those moves are going to cost him. I mean, sure. That's fair to say because of what he's done so far. I think that there's not, when you're talking about confidence level, it's going to be, I think with, with the fan base, very low when it comes to managerial decisions and and the game being in Aaron Boone's hands, people are not going to have a lot of confidence in that. And they're going to kill him if anything doesn't go correctly. That being said, um, you know, I think that, I think that there's an opportunity. You mentioned the first game and how it went well uh, because they put up a big spot. I think the big reason for that was because they jumped out early. They, they were aggressive early and they were able to successfully take care of Bieber and they put a little, a shadow of a doubt in the back of his mind. Yeah. And I think that's going to be an important thing. You can't let these race starting pitchers get off and and get in the uh, into a groove because Snell is is you know obviously a Cy Young winner. Right. The guy can be absolutely filthy against um, against a team when he has confidence and he and if he shows that early, that's going to be tough. Same thing with Glasnow. If you can shake him a little early and be aggressive, you know I think that's obviously a, a big deal for the Yankees. Tanaka is one of those guys that could you know maybe give up a run or two and then and then bounce back and and put. You know, five innings in the books. I'm not so sure these these guys on Tampa. Um, you know, I think that they could be rattled a little bit faster. Yeah, I mean, Bieber had a perfect season, and then boom, he gets ambushed with two runs in the first inning. So he was probably shell shocked, like, "Oh, that's never happened to me this right. year." Whereas yeah. Snell, Morton, Glass now have 
not had perfect seasons. They've had good seasons. They're good pitchers, but they've also faced the Yankees before. So I don't expect them, if they give up a home run to Aaron Judge in the first inning, for them to just completely shit themselves like like Bieber did. No, but that's also a bit... (laughs) That's also a... uh... It's just a big thing for the Yankees' confidence going out front. Of course. I think, they, I think they need that. Playing in front? Yeah. yeah. Good they, analysis, Scott. No, playing but I mean, a, like more than, more than any than other. Playing from we, we've seen how this team plays. And if they're if they're playing from behind, it's swing and miss. Yankees, Yankees, Yankees. That That's what they do. They swing and miss. If they're playing with a little bit more confidence and they're able to um, control the zone, control the zone, a 2019 buzz phrase by Aaron Boone. But it's it is it, as cliche as it is, it's important. They're able to locate these pitches. They're able to to select piece, uh, areas of the strike zone and attack it. And when they're able to do that, when they have the confidence to do that, and the pitcher is not getting the strikes, not getting the swings and misses that they normally have, then they become a much more dangerous team. And that's how they jump out in front. So yeah, it's 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 easy analysis by saying play out in front. But the reason they do that is by the approach, by taking some pitches that they normally would be swinging at and being disciplined. All right. Well, we will uh, be back with episodes after every game. They going to be some late nights. You prepared? Late nights. Yep. You prepared? I mean, are you ever prepared? I was prepared I, for I, the game one. That was beautiful. It, you know, that was recording nice. at 11 p.m., recording at 2 o'clock in the morning. Just get your expectations in line. Loopy. Set your expectations for 2 a.m. Makes you loopy. I can't. I if you, can't no, you have that. to just walk into it 2 a.m. And if it doesn't happen, then all right, we're ahead of schedule. That's it. It's all about how you uh, position. Can things. we can we set the bar a little bit more? more can we set the bar no, no, like at eleven expe- thirty at night? I want your expectations to be at two a.m. If your expectations are at two a.m., there's a good chance we're going to be in the driver's seat. Mm. All right. Stay tuned for Scott's conversation with Kevin. A lot of good stuff in there, I'm sure, about the race, and we'll talk to you after game one. You guys have counted on restaurants, and now they're counting on you. And while their dining rooms may be closed, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you the food that you're craving right to your door. Ordering is extremely easy. You open the DoorDash app, you choose what you want to eat, and the food is delivered right to you safely outside your door, and you can now choose their new contactless delivery drop-off setting. I use it all the time. Uh, it's It's a terrific app, and there's a lot of local restaurants that you can get as well. There are way more than you expect that are included with DoorDash. Um, Bevan and I use this app probably twice a week. So definitely recommend going on and and buying it, especially with the code that we're about to give you. Many of the local restaurants are still open for delivery. So you can just use DoorDash, uh, select from their menu, choose the food you want, and they bring it right to you. And it usually happens pretty fast. And you can track the people as they come, which is fun to know because now you know when your food is coming exactly to the minute. So right now, all of our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fee with their first order of $15 or more. Just download the DoorDash app and enter code BLUEWIRE. That's $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code BLUEWIRE. Don't forget, that's code BLUEWIRE for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. There's also the baseball playoffs going on, maybe you've heard. 
Head to BetOnline today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use our promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word, to get your welcome bonus at BetOnline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, guys, to kick off the ALDS coverage, Yankees, Tampa Rays. We got our friend Kevin Weiss from Locked On Rays. You can follow Kevin at Kevin Weiss underscore on Twitter. He is this is the third time, Kevin, that we have we have talked uh this season, actually. So we 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 did a round one before anything happened as far as the coronavirus and all the delays. Then we went round two before the actual start. And here we are, round three. Um, kind of hoping this was gonna happen, right? I feel like it's it's more exciting when we have this this rivalry that's that seems like it's bl- uh, blossoming and I'd say the two best teams, although the Yankees didn't play like that during the regular season, it seems like they're gotten their health back and, you know, hopefully they can play a little bit closer to their potential. But the Rays have been pretty much the team we expected them to be there. They, um, they, they battled injuries as well, but they, uh, it looks like both squads kind of going into, uh, going into this ALDS relatively healthy, ready to go rotations look pretty decent. So welcome back, man. I'm excited to talk with you, uh, uh, and, and get this little preview going. Likewise, likewise. And I agree with all of that. Yeah, it's it's uh, nice to finally have some baseball and playoff baseball. It was definitely the most odd uh, sports season I can ever remember, just maybe the most oddest year that I can ever remember. But I agree. I think this is going to be a great series. And it's not just because of the, the sideshow antics that we've been dealing with. Uh, I think it's, you know, there's been a lot of uh, back and forth between the Rays and Yankees over the years back when the Rays were even the Devil Rays. I think it goes all the way back to 2004 when there was some like controversy over hurricane schedules and things like that. But I would say it. I mean, it, it seems like it definitely came to a head in early September, and I think we're going to see um, maybe some some sparks flying. I don't know. Definitely, definitely some interesting quotes coming out over the next couple of days, and I'm excited. I'm pumped. I think. I mean, if there's one series to watch, if you're like a non-baseball fan, I would have to say this would be it. And uh, the, the TV networks certainly probably think so, too, with with the game times that they have rolling and everything. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the I, I'd say a lot of it started back with CC Sabathia, the, you know, that's for you, bitch, uh, for mm-hmm. to Kevin Cash directed right at him. And, you know, Cash has been absorbing these blows. And really, he's been, I think, in the first series when the um, when, when Yankees and Rays uh, collided during the season, you could tell that, that he was either trying to stir up his guys a little bit and just like get that fire going or, you know, quote, defend his guys, whatever, whatever it was. It seems like he's had the pulse of this team pretty well. I know when, when we talked early on about um, the season and, you know, I, I had some positive things and, you know, complimentary things I'd say about Kevin Cash, about knowing his team and just like some of the in-game moves that he makes. But I I think that he's definitely trying to fuel the fire a little bit with some of the comments off. And it was from the first series uh, you know, throughout the season and then and then recently over the weekend talking about how, you know, the teams don't like each other. So tell me about, you know, what the coverage has been like down in Tampa and, you, you know, from your side of things, what have you seen about the, um, I guess, before we get on the field, but the off the field uh, antics b- between the two of them? It, it's interesting because uh, Kevin Cash has mostly been pretty reserved about things, but yeah, he didn't hold back anything when he made the you know, we got a whole stable of guys that throw 98 and everything like that. And that's part of, you know, part of the rallying cry. You know, he's he's a guy that in addition to what he does managing on the field, I think off the field, he doesn't get enough credit for rallying his guys and being able to 
um, mold so many different personalities. Like the Rays may be definitely more so than other MLB squads. They've got so many guys that come from different backgrounds and um, from different cultures and everything. I mean, we've got a guy from Japan. We've got a couple of Cuban imports. Like we, It's just kind of all over the place as far as um, what the Rays have and with the roster and everything like that and just trying to motivate the guys going forward. I mean, I think, you know, he's done, I think, an A-plus job this year, not just with defending his guys, which is understandable, but the fact that, um, I mean, as far as the bullpen goes, there were as many as, and I know you guys have dealt with a lot of injuries too, but there was a point where there were as many as 12 different pitchers in the bullpen that were on the IL or out for the season. And, and the, the, what he's been able to do with, cobbling guys together and, and throwing in uh, guys in so many different save situations. Also, 12 different guys, actually 13 different guys now have a save this season for the race in 60 games. Like, it, it's amazing what he's been able to do with that. So, yeah, it, it it was kind of, I guess, a little bit refreshing for him to come out and and say what he did. It gave us a lot of fodder. It it riled up the fan base a little bit. And, um, you know, I, I didn't, I, the media in, in Tampa is not, it's definitely different than the New York media. We only have a couple beat writers. So it, it didn't like if he had made these comments at, in, in a Yankee uniform, it would have been probably blown up even further. I feel like it was, I don't know. It, it, we, we talked about it for a day. And then after the series was over, we kind of moved on from it. And I mean, besides the fact that hats were made and shirts were made and things like that too. Let's talk about the hats. The yes. shirts, the shirts. There's no, there's no doubt about it. It literally is a, a stable of horses. It's, it's yeah. the horse and the stables. My, my co-host uh, disagrees with me on the hats uh, and why they were, they were made. So I, I 1,000 percent believe that they were made because of the fact that he was talking about the how many guys that they have that throw 98 miles per hour. Mm-hmm. Not, not so much about the year 1998. So if you can shed some light on this, please let us know what those 98ers. Uh, hats really were intended for. I think it's a hundred ten percent the ninety-eight mile per hour thing. Thank no you. doubt in my mind. The fact that there's the ninety-eighters, that's just a double entendre. That that makes it even better. There's a reason that these hats have sold out, and that they've like I I ordered one, and it's back ordered. Like I probably won't. They're new, so they're new hats. They're, they're they're new. They hats. are brand new. Yes. No. I've. I've never heard of them before. I'd never seen them before until after he made that comment. Literally a day later, I think it was Pete Fairbanks, a reliever that was wearing one of those hats. So, I mean, I I could reach out to the guy, to the company that makes these hats, but I think it's 100%, I'm more than 100% that it was because of the comments he made, not because... Uh, the the devil rays were founded in 1998. That, right. that just kind of works. Rays, that was a it was a founders date. 1998 was the, when when they were uh, when they the devil rays became a thing. But these hats were yes. not a thing before those comments. No, I do. No, I, they were. I never seen them before, and now I see them popping up all over the place after he made those comments. If it said if it said devil rays or had the old school devil rays logo then maybe I could be on board with your co-host a little bit, but no, it is because this company, I don't know if you, you've this company that makes hats, they do kind of quirky things. Like they'll put, like they make like custom hats that have names of players. Like, Oh, it's a, you got a trout hat or a Tatis junior hat, or they've, they've got yeah. all these little kind of um, 
kind of sayings and things like that. So it no, it is it's definitely the comment that Cash made about we got a stable of guys. I, for the record, I did not buy a shirt because I think those shirts are tacky. I I don't even know what I would do. But I think the hat is we fire, have to wear them together. So I, hat. I feel like you got to wear them together. And if they really wanted to get extra special, it would have it would have to me if I were if I were in the shoes of a um, of a of a fan of the race, I would I would go with like the old school gradient blue to green or whatever in the 98 mm-hmm. to really, really thick, like one, just confuse people. And right. then, you know, two, it's, you know, it, it's kind of an homage to the 1998 team too. You can go, you go back and forth, which it is. I yes. get that. But as usual, Andrew, my co-host is wrong and I'm right. There's no doubt because this was a thousand percent talking shit. Hey, if you want to think about it another way, the Rays weren't founded until like 2005 when the name was officially changed. Hey, there we can go. go 2008 when they made their first playoff appearance. A lot of people didn't even vote. They were totally ignored for the first you know decade of their existence. So if it said 08ers or something like that, okay. But no, I think 98ers, it is. That's why I ordered the hat is because I, I've, I come under the understanding that it's based off of what Kevin Cash said. So, Okay. I mean, that's, that seals it for me. That's, uh, that's all I needed. I needed, I needed that. I see, we're going to use that as fuel. Now I want, I want this fuel. This is good stuff. Not that, not that we should be like the fact that we're having this conversation as a Yankees fan is a little, is a little crazy for me. Although the devil, the devil race, see, now you got me on the devil race thing. Sorry. The Rays have been, the, they've been very good um, for, you know, obviously since Joe Madden, Kevin Cash has really, uh, I, I think just kind of picked up the baton really and, mm-hmm. and, and stayed with this team the way the development you said, earlier about talking 13 guys 12 or 13 guys had a save i mean yes that is a kevin cash uh, attribute to him putting those guys in the situation but at some point like you're just throwing a guy out there there's that many that you need to fill the talent is there it's so deep that you know he he almost can't go wrong when he's putting these guys in because it seemed like the last time we were playing you guys was that one like half the guys i have no I, we don't know their names they're just they're, yeah. they're new guys and and i swear every one of them has a has like a, a different quirky um, you know, type of uh, wind up or delivery mm-hmm. or something in their mechanics is a little different, and it just it just makes them separated uh, that much more. But they all throw hard, and they all are around the strike zone, and there's a deception in a lot of them and a lot of their deliveries, and they're not easy to hit. So I, I think the fact that you guys have the talent as deep as it is in the bullpen is a, uh, you know, it's that that's one of the probably the biggest things for us as far as how this team is going to match up. Like I think. If if um, if all goes well and we can we'll go through these games, but mm-hmm. the, the um, starting pitching can match up. I, I think I think it can match up relatively um, if they wanted to. But the bullpen, as as it should be a Yankee strength, is not. It, it hasn't been in a couple of years. But you know we're a couple of guys down um, uh, w- as far as people that they can trust. But it doesn't matter for you to your team because they go so deep. Yeah, they'll they'll just literally throw anyone out there. And what's funny is that before the season, some of these guys that are on the roster, on the postseason roster, I had never heard of. My co-host had never heard of. We didn't know who uh, John Curtis was or Aaron Sleegers or Ryan Thompson, the side armor. And that's the thing. They Like you said, they threw out so many different guys that give so many different looks. And that's why I think that, you know, in this series, we certainly might see the the opener or they've even gone to a second opener, the the double opener where they... They'll throw out maybe a John Curtis and then second inning Ryan Thompson, and then they'll bring in Ryan Yarbrough or whoever is their bulk guy going forward. And um, it's something that's been very successful for them. I mean, one of the maybe the issues with um, having guys with so many quirky deliveries and windups and things like that is it has forced probably a lot of injuries. You don't have that prototypical 
wind up that, you know, you, that, that a pitching coach would, t- you have a, a lot of guys that rear back and do a lot of different things. And, and that's why a couple of guys are heading for Tommy John surgery and, and are out for this year and maybe for, for 2021. Like I know Andrew Kittredge is a guy, for example, but um, yeah, they've got a lot of, you know, no matter what their names are, like we, we knew, we know about Nick Anderson. We know about Diego Castillo, guys like that, but they have shown that, you know, they, one thing you might notice in this series is even if it's Blake Snell or Tyler Glass now on the mound, once that third time through the order comes up, they might pull them. They might hook them and, and bring in that reliever. We saw that, you know, I mean, Blake Snell in game one of the wild card game against Toronto, uh, he had a no hitter through five innings and he only made it through, I think, five and two thirds. And he, he was dealing. I mean, he was he was he looked like Cy Young Snell and then. No, they wanted to go right to the bullpen and, and try was to the pitch count? Was this mix pitch and count match up? the what? Not really. No, I think he was at. I don't quote me on this, but I think it was like it was in the seventies. It wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't crazy at all. And um, you know, same thing with Glass now. I mean, there, there's been times where Glass now has been rolling, and, and he's at you know seventy some odd pitches, and they pull him because, again, they 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 have so much trust and faith in their bullpen, and and that's something we're seeing throughout baseball where we're seeing bullpens pitch more than starters and and we're seeing i mean it's it's become a trend where we're seeing less we're seeing more breaking balls than than fastballs it's crazy what's happening in today's game uh uh today's game but yeah the the bullpen i i've just come to the fact that i i don't know what their names are sometimes they just throw them out there and and it it works one guy to maybe watch is uh shane mcclanahan who's actually a local kid he has yet to make his major league debut and he might actually pitch in this series he was added to the wildcard roster. I believe he's going to be added to the ALDS roster too. Hard throwing lefty, um, you know, tops 97, 98, real confident kid. That might be a guy that they rely on for, you know, one, two or three innings because Jose Alvarado, that, that was another kind of key bullpen piece coming into the year that's been virtually injured all season. And, you know, they, they might want another hard throwing lefty. So that they do things so unorthodoxly that, um, and, and it winds up working and, and it starts with the bullpen. That's that, that, that to me, I think you hit it on the head, the bullpen. I think it could be a difference maker. And I think team defense could be a difference maker and where, you know, the, the Rays analytics team, they know exactly where to put guys and they get uh, the guys, the, the guys are skilled, you know, infielders and outfielders as well. But, you know, that was, that w- that really seemed to be the edge in the blue Jays series. And it could be the edge in the, in the Yankees series. Like the, the Rays can't get in a home run derby with the Yankees. They, they got no chance. They can't do what, you know, they can't play like the Indians and, and expect to win over a five game series. So there's some, some positive things looking at back uh, from Yankees, Indians, obviously the Yankees took care of, uh, of Shane Bieber and, and acted like a different team. They were, I mean, to be honest, that was a, that was a team that, that I absolutely would fall in love with like five times over again. When you see mm-hmm. them, Hitting with score runners in scoring position, you know, um, getting the the base hit up the middle, hitting a, a a double with runners in scoring position. They didn't just rely on the on the home run for for that series. It, you know, they had the home run ball, especially um, uh, you know after Bieber got hit up, knocked up, but but they they also took advantage of of the bullpen uh, and got to it relatively early. You're not going to have that that chance, I don't think, with Tampa just because they're so deep and and they have so many guys um, that can come out and be effective. But I think the one thing that's for positive for me is that they did not have to rely on the home run ball for that game. And if that can carry over, that's something that I think the Yankees really do need actually um, for this series. It seems like again, much like against Shane Bieber, the Yankees are going to have to really take advantage of their opportunities against uh, mm-hmm. the, the um, Rays and the pitching staff that they have. 
um, especially if they can get to some of their starting guys early and then force that bullpen on. I think the the way that that bullpen can be, um, you know, taken advantage of is if they're in too much, right? If they if they get thrown in there too, I know they're deep, but still, right? You can get it there if you can get to the, if, if the Yankees can get to um, some of these guys early, then I think it, it does neutralize the the um, the impact of it a little bit because now you're getting depth and they, and there's no days off, so that will affect guys, um, you know, the the team moving forward, but. Um, we'll see. The Yankees have to put that together. How, how do you feel about the offense coming into the series after what they did against Toronto and then knowing that? Um, so we got, and let's just go through the uh, matchups really quick. So, game one, we have Snell versus uh, Garrett Cole. Tanaka is going to be going up against Glass now in game two. And Charlie Morton against, um, they have not announced it yet, but probably going to be Jay Happ. Davey Garcia, maybe, but probably Jay Happ, I would assume. Right. Yeah, it's. You know, I think that, and again, this is my Rays bias speaking, but I think that the Rays have an edge in pitching and starting pitching, but um, it's all about timely offense for the Rays. They're they're not a team that necessarily can put hits together in bunches. In fact, uh, they led the league in strikeouts. Like it, it, there's a lot of swing and miss in that group, which certainly concerns me against uh, Garrett Cole, and and we know about some of the the team's past struggles against Masahiro Tanaka. But what they've tried to do, um, one thing I think that could help is having G-Man Choi healthy uh, because we know he's he's hit well off of Garrett Cole uh, in the past. But what they've done is is they've got some guys, they've, they've really added some true athletes that if they have to, they can lay down a bunt and they can get on first and then they can steal second. And they, they found ways to manufacture runs without cobbling together a bunch of hits they're they're actually despite the fact that they strike out a lot they can draw their walks so that that is maybe another positive but that that is something i think to really watch for is to see how much this team runs and tries to steal against the yankees um, especially with two outs i mean you've got guys like randy ross arena Manny Margot, Brett Phillips, Kevin Kiermaier, a lot of guys that can really wreak havoc on the base paths. And what they've really tried to do is just get in a pitcher's head by, you know, you know, just long leads and and trying to force pickoffs. And before you know it, the the guy at the plate gets a good pitch to hit and then he gets a base hit and the guy scores from there. So they they tried to do some creative things with that. Um, but you know. If we go back to the wild card series, like, yeah, the Rays hit well off of Ryu, but a lot of that was based off of defensive mistakes that the Blue Jays made. And that turned into, you know, a, a home run here, a home run there. And Ryu wasn't really himself. He was he was a different Ryu. He, he had lost uh, fastball velocity and and he was leaving hanging breaking balls. And he, he was not the guy that that posted the ERA he did in the regular season. And I think the Rays have definitely struggled against um guys that throw really you know above 95 miles per hour and things like that but i would not expect this team to do what uh the yankees did to the indians for example i think their 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 modus operandi is winning close ball games winning three to two four to three and i think they've got one of the best records if not the best record in in one run ball game so that they want to keep it close they want to keep it tight throughout and then try to Try to get creative with getting that that extra uh, extra run when they can. One of the one of the problems with uh, with Yankees when they get to the uh, when they get to the bullpen is is exactly this: holding runners on is 
is a problem for a, mm-hmm. a few of the guys on the Yankees and the Yankees bullpen. I would not be surprised if Kevin Cash completely exploited that. It would be it would be difficult to see uh, a guy like Adam Adovino who has been struggling mightily, but the Yankees are going to have to have a, a guy or two step up in their bullpen and actually play, you know, like they perform like they did in, mm-hmm. you know, two, 2019 uh, and, and be a guy that, you know, Adam, Adam Adovino has been a disaster this year. He was an effective pitcher last year for the majority of the year, um, kind of faded at the end of the season. But he's also a guy that really, really struggles with runners on base. So yeah. hard to bring it, hard to bring in an Adovino when there is, you know, when there's runners on against Tampa, who you know is going to be aggressive. Um, Chapman also uh, a, a guy that you know he's been throwing over a lot recently and, and trying to mix it up with uh, you know he's developed a splitter developed he's throwing a little <laughs> bit of a splitter he's got you know the slider that that he's throwing so he's definitely changing things up and I think it's that's making it a little better for him with runners on but a guy like Kevin Cash and these runners who are, who have seen him multiple times and they know his tendencies and they know these things. I would not be surprised if that becomes a storyline uh, with uh, with some of these relievers because they're just they're really they're really dog shit at keeping guys close to the bag. And you know if these are one run games, two run games, like that's going to be a difference. Yeah, you know, ball in the gap, guy from first has a huge lead, or you know, a guy advancing from first to second just because of the pitcher. Um, so something that that we're definitely going to be looking for. Where where do you think are, are areas of of weakness that that the Yankees might be able to exploit in in a season in a series like this? Well, I think it's one of those things where if they can, if if their pitchers can get on a roll here and generate strikeouts, I mean, there's been times where I think that um, the Rays have had, you know, 17, 18 strikeouts in a ball game and they just can't put anything together offensively. I think that's where, you know, if you're able to use Cole maybe twice over the course of a five game series. And and I think that, you know, keeping that, that fastball elevated and, and working off that, um, where the Rays just, it, it becomes almost contagious as far as guys striking out. I think that's something to watch out for. I mean, if, if we're looking at, uh, that's really the maybe the biggest thing that I think that the Rays can do, uh, that, that the Yankees can do against the Rays is just generate a lot of swing and miss so they don't put anybody on the base pass. Because I, I, I tell you what, if I guess if, if they got Gary Sanchez behind the plate and he, you know, a pass ball or, or he even has trouble with the ball, they, they will not hesitate to run at all. So um, that's probably the biggest thing I would say, you know, even if we get to a game four and a game five and, and the Rays throughout Ryan Yarbrough and Josh Fleming, I mean, Josh Fleming was a guy that nobody had known of before the season. He hadn't pitched above double a ball and he wasn't Brendan McKay was supposed to be the number six technically before Yanni Torinos got injured and was out for the season. Quite frankly, Josh Fleming has looked better than Yanni Torinos in the five spot. He's a guy that works quickly pitches to contact high ground ball rate the the Rays infielders love that um and he I mean he stepped right in he looks like he's a 10-year vet not a guy that who had just been called up from double a so I think you know it, it's not like I, I don't necessarily think that the Yankees if they you know they get to a game four game five it's like oh we can feast on Ryan Yarbrough or Josh Fleming because their names aren't Snell, Glass now or, or or Morton. Um, that might be something there. I guess the other thing too is maybe the the home run, the home runs on your guys' side because that's something that Tyler Glass now has been prone to and, and Blake Snell's been been prone to is is the long ball at times. Because I mean in that game that the eight two win against the Blue Jays, Glass now really had two mistakes, two uh, two solo shots to Danny Jansen of all people, and they were just absolutely mashed. And we know with 
with uh, the Yankees' power, I mean, that it shouldn't be that hard to, if, if they're able to square up one, they can send it for a ride, even though we are in Petco Park, more of a a, uh, a pitcher's friendly park there. But I would say those are probably the two things is, is um, tendency of home runs from, from pitchers is definitely one. And, and the fact that the, the Rays lineup has a lot of swing and miss uh, one thing to watch out for maybe is, is to see if Austin Meadows is able to come back because um, it's just been a disastrous year for Austin Meadows. He, you know, he started out on the COVID-19 injured list. He came back, I guess, maybe a week and a half into the season. And he, he, basically batted at the Mendoza line. Didn't really, he did not, he looked the opposite of, of 2019 Meadows who was, you know, finished top 10 in, in AL MVP voting. So maybe he's able to, they try to work him in a little bit against righties or something like that. Um, they, they've still found a way with, uh, they've still found a way to be, you know, pretty successful offensively despite the strikeouts without him but maybe that's something if he can provide a little bit of a spark there just having his presence in the lineup or on the bench but um those are really the only two things i see that you know the yankees could really take advantage of uh at this point i would say yeah it's interesting talking about the home runs too because garrett cole is is you know a similar type pitcher obviously with glass now and snell in the sense that i think all three of those guys really you know, the home runs mostly you see, you'll see solo shots, a lot of solo mm-hmm. shots because they're more aggressive in the zone when there's no runners on, depending on game flow as well. Like these guys will pitch to the strike zone, almost, um, you know, dare somebody to hit it. And that's when you see, you know, the, the ball flying out of the park um, is when they're a little bit more aggressive, you know, in the zone. Uh, but, you know, that's the thing, like those mistakes, if there's, if those mistakes are, are happening and the ball does go out of the park. And like you said, you know, it's it's deep to right center. It's deep to left center. It's you know, four, just shy of four hundred uh, in center field to Petco. Um, so the balls are going to have to be struck well to to, to go out. Um, and, mm-hmm. and and you know, maybe that plays better for your base running. I don't know. Um, the thing is, is that I, I think these mistakes are going to be magnified, right? So if, right. If, if whoever's limiting the mistakes with the long ball, I think has a really good opportunity to win the series. I think if if there are um, if there are mistakes with the long ball, and you're now you're stacking two to three runs. That's going to be tough to to come back, you know, unless there's just disastrous pitching on on one of the sides, probably the Yankee side uh, with with the bullpen. But um, yeah, I definitely see as one of these guys needs to step up. We'll see what happens. There's uh, there's some young kids that that could step up, but um, just a matter of uh, uh, of if Boone's going to be uh, you know the guy that's able to pull the trigger on some young guys. So last thing before we get going, and I want to hear your prediction as well, so we can uh, we can stick to it. I'll, I'll give you one myself. But okay. the, um, the difference between Boone and Cash, I think that's also something to really look at because I think, you know, again, like I started off the show, Boone or uh, um, Kevin Cash has, has, a, has done a very good job knowing his guys, putting his guys in, into positions to succeed. And I think Boone, uh, you know, just in the last game, Boone had some boneheaded moves that were just, mm-hmm. you know, some some re- really, real, really just like you're looking at them cross-eyed, some of these moves that he makes. Uh, and and I think he thinks too much. And I don't know if the nerds are in the tunnel or just, you know, they're fighting with his inner conscious or what's, <laughs> what's happening. But um, yeah, are you feeling confident, you know, with Kevin Cash uh, down there? And what have you guys heard about Boone? I don't know if you've, you know, through the games that we've played or what the media has told you, but what are your feelings about the two managers uh, coming into this series? Yeah, I really... Outside of, I don't know much about Boone's, you know, managerial style outside of the fact that I know he likes to get up in, in umpires faces and, and he, he, he's got some, some interesting comments and post game, but I definitely have put my, my trust in, in what Kevin Cash, especially what he's been able to do this season. I mean, we talked 
last season about how he was able to navigate so many injuries with the team. But this year in 60 games, it was just, there was a period like every day, I was like, somebody's going to get injured. They're likely a pitcher. Somebody's going to go down. And, and nevertheless, it was it it became that type of thing. Why, who's going to be the next guy? Who's going to be the next guy? And like even even Charlie Morton um, went down for a stint. Like it, it seems like really the 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 I mean Nick Anderson was on the injured list this year. Like I, I thankfully Blake Snell and, and Tyler Glass now didn't hit the IL this year as they were brought back slowly and methodically back into the rotation. But yeah, just what he's been able to do with, sometimes I can't even keep up with all the, the versatility changes and moving guys around um, position by position. I mean, there's really only, uh, you know, two, I guess, quasi everyday players. That's Willie Adamas at short and Kevin Kiermeyer in center field. Outside of that, you better, if you're, if you're a race player, you better be checking that lineup. You better be double checking where you're playing in the field because like, Brandon Lau, second baseman. He's he's played eleven games in the outfield this year. Like they'll they'll move guys anywhere and everywhere. Um, you know they they've put some of their catchers at first base just to kind of move guys around and, and re- get creative with giving guys some rest and and trying to play the the platoon advantage. So um, what he's been able to do getting this team at at forty and twenty with with everything that they've gone through this season without having really arguably the the best player on their roster. Uh, for much of the season, and he was not productive this season in Austin Meadows. Um, it's it's pretty amazing. So, like, if it if this came down to a couple, a handful of managerial decisions and and some things at the margins, like, I, I know I'm biased here, but I would certainly give the edge to Kevin Cash and all of that. All right, the uh, ALDS Yankees raise in San Diego because it's yeah. 2020. Um, give me your prediction for the series and your MVP. I will say I, I'm glad you mentioned San Diego because the Rays do have two former Padres on the roster and Manny Margot and Hunter Renfro. Maybe that provides a little bit of a benefit or advantage. There's also several former Rays that are on the Padres roster. So maybe there's a little you know friendly handshake across the aisle. Hey, give me some details on Petco Park and and how to to play some of these dimensions and angles and things like that. So maybe a little little thing there. But I think this series goes five, and I I'm going to pick the Rays to win it. Okay, who's your MVP? My MVP will be uh, Randy Arozarena. That's who I'll go with. The rookie sensation. All right. Well, that's that's the that's the guy I wanted to to hear for. Like that's the that's the impact player that I was looking for. All right. I'm gonna go. Um, obviously, yeah. I'm taking the New York Yankees. I think it's gonna take five. I think this this thing definitely goes the series. I think we're gonna see Snell and Cole pitch twice, and I think it's gonna come down yeah. to um, which one of those guys is most effective. Um, if uh, if we can get one of those guys on short rest coming out and and pitching very well, I think the other team's gonna have a problem with that. So I will go Yankees in five. Um, and if uh, if Garrett Cole pitches that second game, wins it, he's going to be named the MVP. It's a if it's a position player, I'll, I'll go with Glaber Torres having a uh, a big series. So there we got it. Uh, well, will uh, will we have any games at four hours and fifty minutes? Will we break that record, or or does that stay it, with the Indians and Yankees? Does it? I don't think it rains in San Diego. Does it? Does it, do we have like maybe earthquake delays or fire delays? I don't know what's going on in California um, for for anything that can delay. True. A game, yeah. But, if it if it but if that it didn't even possible, that didn't even I, include I the, the yeah 
You know, it's funny because with all the pitching changes that the Rays make, they may use as many as seven, eight different pitchers in a ball game. That could that could definitely add to the time of of this game for sure. And also, I will say, uh, Yankees fans will probably get annoyed with this. Sometimes I get annoyed with it. Is the amount of mound visits that Kyle Snyder makes when a pitcher is a little bit in trouble, or you see the first sign of stress. He'll do his little strut up there and, and hang out there for you know ninety seconds or whatever, and walk back out to to the dugout. So you'll probably see you know depending on on how the game goes, you, you probably see that three or four times a game. Kyle Snyder visiting the mound. I'm sure that will get annoying. We yeah. we uh, we we will look at some things that that will annoy the living hell out of us, and then just and you know start peppering at them. So look, I'm looking forward to it. I'm glad this is happening because I want I want uh, I, I think it, you know Yankees getting to. Uh, if they're to get to the World Series, I want them to go through the Rays, and then I want them to go right. through Houston, and I want them to be both of those teams. That would be that would make this feel better for me yeah. in this season. So, um, congratulations on a good season. I hope you lose. Uh, I'm glad you agreed with me on the 98ers because I, I it was almost I was almost a thousand percent I was right. You've confirmed it, so I appreciate yes. that. And uh, yeah, man, we'll, uh, we'll we'll talk again very soon. But um, I would wish you luck, but I would not mean it. I know. I'm likewise same to you. There, there's got to be something where can you buy your your co-host a 98ers hat if the Rays win, or you got to put some kind of prop bet on the table here. You got. I don't know. I know you guys. You, if you want to set it on fire afterwards, that's fine with me. But uh, I don't know if there's a way to like officially prove to him that you know that hat is because of Kevin Cash's comment. I don't. If we if we lose if we lose I will um, I will definitely give you his address. There's no Sounds doubt good. about it. Yeah, I might have to send him a hat from there on. And, and <laughs> if they win the World Series, I'll buy I'll buy a uh, a stable T-shirt as well. There there it is. I, I, awesome. we'll, we'll make him wear it on Twitter. Sounds good. All right, man. I'll talk to you. Uh, I'll talk to you again soon. Of course, anytime. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees.